Previously in Thanos vs. Hulk number 1, intergalactic teleporter and petty criminal Pip the Troll was tasked with abducting Bruce Banner so that Annihilus, insect overlord of the Negative Zone, could harvest a mysterious element detected within the Hulk. The same cerebral disruptor that kept the Hulk under control during the experiment also trapped virtual versions of Bruce and the Hulk inside Bruce's mind. Thanos found out about the project and, eager to find weaknesses in Annalis' defenses, cybernetically connected his consciousness to Bruce's, eager for the triple throwdown that was sure to follow. Welcome back to Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and welcome back again, our co-host for this episode, The Buck. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope my buckaroos are doing well. <laughs> so since The Buck is back, that means we are back for another issue of Thanos vs. Hulk, number two. And I apologize for my lack of preparation. Preparation. Preparation H today. <laughs> Can't even say the word. He's that unprepared. Oh, man, it's been a long night at work. I'm doing overnights now, so it's my bedtime almost. Yeah, join the club. We are both up very late because it's like, what, 11 a.m.? Yeah. Yeah, 11.30. (laughs) Although I actually was off, so I slept most of last night, actually. (sighs) I'm just going to take a nap for like two hours, like at five. I've been up since 9 or 9.30 p.m. yesterday. Yeah, it's really weird. Is it just me or, you know, it used to be you would go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning, you have an idea of, like, how, what time, you know, when you had to get up or, like, if you go back to sleep, how long you slept. But now it's like I go to bed and I wake up and I have to do math first thing. It's like, okay, wait, how long have I actually been asleep? Do, do I need to go back to bed? Have I got enough sleep yet? <laughs> well, see, luckily for me, I, I'm a man of routine, so I'm always in bed by, like, a certain time. And then I just get up around the same time all every day, except for Wednesdays and Sundays because I try to hang out with my friends who have to go to bed earlier than I normally wake up. <laughs> yeah. No, um, for me, it kind of goes by what I have to do that day or what's going on. Because now, as people would have heard before, because of the whole moving thing, I'm at my parents' house right now, and sometimes my nephew comes over, who's like three. Oh, no. Babysit. So, well, sometimes I'd like to be able to spend some time with him, so it depends on, like, well, how are they coming early with him? Or are they staying later with him? So yeah. I go to bed any time between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m., usually. So be prepared for me to uh, mispronounce a lot of words and probably just sound mush-mouthy. <laughs> uh, the Daywalkers will deal with it. Uh, I hate that breed. Which I started calling my wife now. <laughs> Oh, like, tell me, they, tell me she's a ginger. No, she's not. I know, but it would have been funny because I could have made jokes. So, the cover. So, actually, let's, uh, let's drop in the synopsis first so people can catch up. 
and then we will be back in a few minutes with the actual talking of the issue, so you know what we're talking about. Synopsis, people. Thanos vs. Hulk number two had original cover date of March 2015 and went on sale on January 14th, 2015, with an original cover price of $3.99. The writer and the artist was both Jim Starlin, inker Andy Smith, letterer VCs Travis Lanaham, the colorist is Frank Diarmada, editor Will Moss, assistant editor John Mossain, and the cover art is was by either Jim Starlin, Andy Smith, and Frank Diarmada, or Ron Lim, Andy Smith, and Frank Diarmada. Issue 2 opens in the negative zone. After instructing Blastar to get rid of a full-size Annihilus stand-in, because it soon won't be needed, Annihilus himself checks on Dr. Boltar's efforts on the Hulk. Inside the VR realm they are trapped in, Banner and the Hulk are told by Thanos, who has captured them. The Hulk then starts a fight with Thanos, but is being easily beaten by the Titan. Back in the real world, well, the real negative zone, Pip the Troll is teleported in, but ends up where Analysis' computer mainframe is, not the Hulk's location. Inside the VR cell, Banner realizes what is going on and joins the battle himself. Realizing that Thanos has hacked the VR so that the Hulk will be weaker and slower than normal, Banner hacks it himself to increase the Hulk's power. All this activity is noticed on the outside, and Annihilus himself enters the VR to kick Thanos out. Back home on his ship, we see that Thanos never was concerned with being inside the VR cage with the Hulk. It was all a ruse. He wanted Annihilus and his men to see him so that they wouldn't see Thanos' computer invading and downloading everything else on Annihilus' network. Finally, while Annihilus monologues in front of the Hulk's unconscious form, Pip the Troll looks on from his hidden vantage point in the air ducts. To be continued. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that tastes forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team-Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? Okay, and we're back. Yay. Thanos vs. Hulk number two of four. Duality. So, yes, the cover. So, based on the cover, I would say we're going to get a tug-of-war match between Thanos and Annihilus because they're on either side of the Hulk, who's dead center. And Thanos looks very happy. Yeah, and Annihilus has that same shit-eating grin he always has. Well, he's like those memes of Batman. They show, you know, moods of the Batman. They just have the same picture over and over again. You know, angry, scared, yeah. happy. Annihilus is the same thing. It's just, you know, one bug look, you know, one metallic face. But but with the way that uh, his mouth is, with it being black and the lines going across, it reminds oh, me... Oh, he looks like a... 
What's that? Okay, go on. I, I can't remember the name of the whale, but is it's a type of whale that opens its mouth to like uh, siphon plankton because it, there's little um, like tendrils or veins or some type of. Oh, it doesn't really have teeth. It has like that like for straining water through. Yes, exactly. Could it be a whale shark? It very well may be. Because at least I, I mean, you might be. There might be more than whales that do that, but there, the whale shark does do that. Yeah, that that might be what I'm thinking of. Because they that, are the largest shark, but they only eat plankton. But every time I see him like open his mouth, that's what I think of. Maybe that's what he eats is plankton, or like you know, he just eats microbes in the air. He eats split, split, space plankton. Space plankton. Oh, and if anyone's wondering what I do, I do, like, tech support online and customer service shit online for eight hours a day, three chats at a time, 100 to two, 100 to 120 chats a day. So my mind is pretty fried by the end of the day. He does thinky stuff. Uh, sometimes it is, but most of the time it's just repetitive bullshit where it comes from muscle memory. But it fries me. It really does, especially after a weekend. Today is my Friday, so I have Thursday and Friday off. Yeah, today should be my uh, Sunday because I was off. They have me off today and tomorrow, but actually I am working another job part-time overnight as well, and I work that tonight. More power to you, my man. I'm stupid, and I need money. No, I I know. The job market up here is really shitty. Otherwise, I'd have another job right now. So, because of the cover, yep. I'm expecting it to be a pretty much a tug of war match between those two to get the the Incredible Hulk. And then we also have real little on the on the cover because the Hulk is pretty damn big. Yeah, he takes up probably like three quarters of the cover. We have the rest of our characters for the most part. So we got Pip, Maria Hill, Iron Man, Peter Delight, Blackstar, and a bunch of aliens. Buggy aliens from the negative zone. One resembles the uh, worm from uh, Alice in Wonderland. The uh, smoking worm with the pipe. Yeah, the caterpillar. Always talks like these. Yeah, the caterpillar. There we go. And seriously, is Iron Man in another color suit of armor? Well, it's the same issue? one he had last issue. Okay, all right. At least he's constant in the series anyways. Yeah, which makes sense because it's only taking place over a short period of time so far. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I, I think Iron Man is going through some issues and he just can't pick what color he likes the best. Well, basically, he's like the wasp. I mean, you know, he's like, I want it. You know, it's very fashionable. He's like, I like this one today. Makes me want to punch and, him. Well, he's, you know, I mean, considering the character, he's this rich guy, you know, hangs up chicks all the time. Uh, at least he didn't buy a drug for like twenty million dollars, and now sells it for seven hundred and fifty dollars a pop. Freaking! Oh, so you are reading Superior Iron Man? Oh <laughs> wait, seriously, that's like in there? Oh yeah, when we get to the Friends and Enemies, that's that's the premise of Superior Iron Man, pretty much. Oh wow! No, I was making reference to that uh, pharmaceutical dude who bought the AIDS drug that was thirteen dollars and fifty cents a pop. And, like, jacked it up to $700, $750 a pop. Well, more or less, that's, the, that's what he's doing with Superior Iron Man. 
Huh, I wonder if that pharmaceutical person is into comics. <laughs> I wonder, or I wonder if uh, that was part of the influence, maybe for the idea. Well, this just happened like two oh, days okay. ago. Yeah. Comics imitating life. I mean, hey, or maybe you know, that kind of stuff happens. I mean, listen to the song Iron Man by uh, Black Sabbath, and then read uh, the if you can Avengers: The Crossing, and that's basically the premise. Drugs. It all leads back to drugs. Oh, most of Black Sabbath involves drugs. True. We got a nihilist here with Blastar, and apparently, so I, I'm wondering if maybe in the after he did issue one, uh, Starlin was told, "Hey, you know, we've had a nihilist appear recently, and he's been normal size." <laughs> because he has this whole little, you know, little explanation right here. He's like. Because of what we're doing now, I'm, we're going to be able to get me back to full size, so you can get rid of like this robot stand-in we've been using for myself. All right, that explains that. Because when I read that for the first time, I'm like, "What does he mean? What? Why is he explaining the robot?" You know, it, it just seemed very guess. out of place. That's my guess. It's one of those things where you know, at times you you know, you listen to you know people talking about comics, so you are, and you're like, you know, this didn't make sense. All they had to do was give me a one sentence. Thing, saying, oh yeah, this happened. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah, and it, I know I didn't know of anything about Blastor's appearing, so I, did, I mean, Annihilus, so it didn't bother me. But I'm assuming he probably had been somewhere, and they're like, we need an explanation. Yeah, because honestly, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, so either the the mini one is like Annihilus's son or something like that, or maybe Annihilus has always been this small and. That's just like his uh, mech suit, you know. Kind of like yeah, that's also possible. Yeah, that was the first thought that popped in my head. I like that idea that it's always a nihilist in a big nihilist suit. Yeah, <laughs> he's in the, It's me. It's a mini me inside of me. Yeah, he he's trying to make up for a lack of size. <laughs> so we got that explanation, which if he needed it is nice, and we have this nice little panel of Blaster just dragging this thing away. Which, I don't know why, but that amuses me for some reason. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think mostly because of the way that the uh, armor is being dragged, you know. It looks like he's throwing it, he could be throwing a tantrum tantrum on the yeah. way out. And Blaster's just like, get over here, you little bitch. Or it almost looks like they were playing with it for a few minutes, like an action figure. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, like... Now, would I look cool like this in this position? Do you think this will look intimidating? No, sire. Maybe raise the claw, the right claw a bit more. Yes, that's perfect. But do you see how uh, Mini Annihilus is standing? He, he yeah. has like his hands on his hips, like a victory pose. That's kind of creepy. What do you think he did to that suit of armor before Blaster had to, you know, drag it away? He had like a buffalo bill uh, moment. Yeah, I do me. I do. <laughs> what do you do me? I do me. Wild horses. <laughs> now I got Clerks 2 in my head. <laughs> I can't wait for Clerks 3. Ooh. And Mallrats 2. So we got the giant spread of uh, the Hulk being so unconscious yeah. and trapped by Lionel. I like the drool. That's a nice little touch. You like the what now? The drool. Oh, the drool coming. Yeah, okay. From the whole yeah. house, if he's unconscious there, and he's just drooling a bit. Yeah, he looks like a like I uh, I mentioned last episode, like Frankenstein's monster, and now he really resembles it in the uh, what, what what would you call it? Like a 
upright table that he's harnessed into. Yeah, yeah, he's on like upright table of like with things to lock his hand, his arms and you know legs and his body so he can't move. Yeah, there's there's some restraints and one restraint looks like it's going off into like some sort of electrical area. At least that's my imagination because I'm thinking you know Frankenstein's monster. Actually, that that does look like that because the others look like regular restraints because they're attached. To the, you can see they're the same color and shape as the table he's on, but that yep. thing goes off on its own on like a little wire. So yeah. And apparently they're doing some kind of procedure to isolate something that's in the Hulk, and that they want to that they want to synthesize it. So there's something in the Hulk that they need to get out and they want to replicate. What the hell could it be? I mean, he's not a mutant, so it's not an X gene. He's no, but it's probably something in the Hulk and the Gamma thing, and probably even more specifically in the Hulk that explains why out of everyone who gets all these Gamma powers, yeah, they're strong and powerful, but no one seems to be as much as the Hulk with the healing factor he has or how the fact that he gets that whole matter he gets stronger he gets thing. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't that be more... See, for me, I, I would think that would be more based on the uh, human that is irradiated. It wouldn't be the Hulk himself. He he would just be the um, the end product of what the catalyst was. If that makes any sense. No, it doesn't. Which is why that they've explained that the Hulk has like these you know dual personalities and usually has more than one because Bruce Banner apparently has a multiple personality. So really, why aren't they experimenting on Bruce Banner then? Because that's probably where you're going to find what's needed to recreate a Hulk. <laughs> They're giant bug aliens who made a bug-shaped spaceship. Which bug means science. they're pretty smart. Yeah, so my answer is not just science, bug science. Okay, bug science isn't real science. Have you studied bug science? What if I told you I had a PhD in etymology? Hold on. <laughs> entomology. Oh, okay. I would go, really? Yeah, it's from Harvard. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I guess you know bug science. I would if anything I just said was true. Really? Do I sound like I went to Harvard? <laughs> I don't know, the economy now, you could go to Harvard for a PhD in bug science and entomology and still be working overnight at tech support. So we have Nihilus walking down the stairs <laughs> on page three of this. Uh, oh, you're still on that one, okay. Yeah, because I, I, I just want to say, he looks full size there. He doesn't look like the midget. That, no, no, he's not really, yeah, it's, the scaler's kind of off there. Yeah, I, I know it's the... Uh, perception of the angle and all that that he's drawn, but I think they could have done a better job to... At the very least, they could, he could, Starling could have made him look a little scrawnier. Yeah. Because if you go back to page one, he's very... Compared to the you know the the robot version, you know, the robot grown-up version of himself, he's pretty skinny. Right. And this one, he, he looks like he has some muscle mass to him. Yeah, he looks pretty big. He looks decent-sized. So yeah. yeah. And this goes with what I said with the last issue. The art still is not doing it for me. It's inconsistent. Well, I know, I'm know i sure you're going to say something when we get to the next two pages. All right, let's go to the next page. And don't even get me started on this one. Although I do like the coloring. That I do like. 
I'm not specifically talking about the next page. I mean, it's the next two pages, but yeah, the, the second page where Thanos, where we we have Thanos, where the part where we have Thanos and the Hulk actually talking. Yep. And the, where Thanos actually blasts the Hulk. Yeah. That panel, right? Yeah. It looks like his head is coming out of his chest. Yeah, there's no neck. He looks like he has a massive dad body. His arms are so disproportionate. They look like they're three times the length of his overall body. They do, and they look like they're coming out of where his head should be, and his head's coming out the center of his chest. Yeah, it looks like something that an artist from Image would create when Image was, like, brand new, and they're just like, hey, we're extreme. Yeah. But now, it I, I skimmed through the rest of this fight first when I first read it, because this isn't supposed to be a VR-type thing, so I thought yeah. maybe that had something to do with it. But if so, they don't use it again, because for the most part, proportionalized, everything seems right for the rest of the fight. Yep. Just that one panel. So either he screwed up the art on that one, or... The uh, he forgot that his plan was to do the VR type, you know. He, he screwed up. The, he screwed up the art because look at like Hulk's head in each panel on this uh, two page splash. Well, it's coming up as two page splash for me because I have that set to two pages. I don't know if it's actually that way or not for you. Is it that way in the actual comic? Actually, let me go back to one page see if it's that way. Yeah. Okay. So it's just one page. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because if you look at the head, and, and I know in some of the panels he's further away and closer to us as a, the viewer, but it definitely changes styles drastically. I mean, one is more box-shaped. One looks like he, uh, uh, how would I mention it, just very round. Yeah. And there's there's just no consistency. And on the other page that we're just talking about with the deformed Hulk getting blasted, it looks like it's a combination of round and flat. Yeah, it's really weird. That's just so weird artwork. It's hard to get past that picture. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. But at the very least, we do get a fight with Thanos and the Hulk. Is this really a fight, though? They're punching each other. Oh, you're on the next pages. Okay. Well, I'm just, I'm just talking about the fight in general. Because when okay, we were talking thought... last issue about how last time about how I because I really haven't read these. I bought them, but I haven't really read them. Yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I knew I was in for the show. I was just waiting. All right. And enough stuff. So I read, you know, I read issue one before we did the show. I read issue two obviously before we did this one. But you know, I remember I said I heard from some people that it was that because not every, it wasn't like a sound for a whole fight. Yeah. And but there is at least in this issue there's definitely a panel for Hulk fight. I mean he blasts him, they start punch beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, but the thing is, it's not Thanos versus Hulk because Thanos has entered into a virtual reality that the Hulk is in. And that's not the same thing as them being on the same plane of existence. I mean on, on in the real world, I mean. Yeah, but still, I mean, hey, it's still a cool fight. I mean, come on, they, they, we have those you know, we still count, you know, Professor X fighting the Shadow King in actual form, you know, actual plane as a fight, so I count this. But but the difference between those two is that uh, Professor X is always Professor X, no matter where he is, in what mind or physical being. This is the Hulk in a virtual reality who appears to be separated from Bruce Banner, so you would imagine that he isn't as smart 
because even though that Hulk is separate from Banner when he's hulked out, he still taps into the intelligence to a point. And so like I was saying, I don't think the Hulk truly understands what virtual reality is and how thoughts can affect that world. Thanos is a smart individual, probably in the top, would you say, 10 to 15 intelligence in the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. So he can definitely manipulate the VR world to annihilate pretty much anyone. He's just toying with the Hulk. The Hulk has no chance. This isn't a real fight. This is just uh, Thanos showing his EP, so to speak. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think that'd be any time that Thanos and the Hulk kind of fighting would be basically the Hulk not having a clue what's going on. The people of the Hulk, especially in the 70s, is Hulk wandering around, getting involved in something, not having a clue what's going on, usually destroying everything that ruins everyone's plans, and then wandering off, still not having a clue what happened. And no, I, I agree with you on that, but if it was in the real world, Hulk would be able to stand a better chance than in the VR world. It would be an actual fight. This is just like, it would be like you or I smacking around a five-year-old, and him smacking fact, us back. They do mention that at some point here, that Banner figures out that Thanos, I mean, we're going to be jumping around, but that's fine. Thanos is basically manipulating the, the uh, system so that the Hulk is actually uh, weaker and slower. Yeah. And uh, even though we, di- we, we didn't really mention this, but, um, well, we might have in the last episode. It's been a while. Um, Thanos hooks himself into some sort of, like, supercomputer and somehow enters into the Hulk's, not, not the Hulk's mind, but the... Um, the VR world. Yeah, the, the VR mainframe that Annihilus has the Hulk hooked up to to try to do some computations for and all that and see different things. So th- that's what we mean in the VR world. Yeah. But, so actually, it goes a bit with what you said because actually, once Banner works with him, they actually do get, the Hulk actually does start beating down on Thanos a bit. A little bit, yeah. And again, that's because. He's using Banner's intelligence. Yeah. Banner understands what's going on, can manipulate uh, technology to a point because he's super smart and understands what needs to be done. Yeah. In fact, Thanos makes reference to that, although he kind of mocks him for it. Because he you says, know. yeah, you have, you have managed to influence this virtual reality without benefit of hardware. Not many are capable of such cerebral manipulation. Your reputation as a genius appears well-deserved. Unhappily for you, that is solely by Earth standards. Yeah. <laughs> like, no matter what, even giving a compliment, Thanos has to be a dick. Well, Thanos does what Thanos does. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yes, you're very smart. But, you Sorry, know. human. <laughs> so, anyway, while this fight non-fight, depending on who you agree with. Yeah, we all know so, people are going to agree with me. So, while that's going on, we have Pip still back in uh, Thanos' ship. Because remember, Pip's plan was for Thanos to come make contact with the Hulk, and then he can use his mental link with Thanos to uh, follow it to rescue the Hulk, bring him back to Earth, and then everything's happy. And do you think Thanos is aware of Pip's presence while he's hooked into the VR machine? Yeah. He even says it at the end of the issue. Oh, at the end of this issue? Okay. Yeah. Uh, towards the end, when Thanos is out of the VR... He says, uh, he's like, well, that one's better than expected. I see, or rather smell, that the troll has departed. Ah, uh, yeah. Tip actually believed I had fallen for his clumsy ploy. 
So, but aside from the amusement factor, playing along presented me with a potentially rewarding opportunity. So he knew Pip was there. Yeah. I think Thanos was like, I could really kill you, but honestly, A, you're really not waste worth time. I already killed you once anyway. And B, you are kind of useful at times. Because, you know, he's, you know, Pip's been a useful tool for him from time to time. So I think he's like, yeah. You know what? I, I, this actually is not a bad idea anyway, so whatever. Go do whatever you're going to do. I don't give a crap. You're not bothering me right now. Yeah. You're not smart enough to actually... Just don't be in my way. Yes. Yeah. You're not smart enough to do anything while I'm out. Well, you know, while I'm in this VR thing. It's not like I'm worried about you, you know, stealing, you know, actually taking something important or, you know, ruining something. It's like as much you're concerned about, you know, leaving the cat alone for a few hours. You know, that's where Pip's at, as far as Thanos concerned. He's like, my service robots might have to clean up a spot on the ro- on the floor. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So yeah, so Pip follows that link and teleports to in the negative zone, or the negative zone computer bank, I should say. Yeah, and he even uh, has a thought bubble explaining that Thanos is mentally linked to a Nihilus' network. Yeah. Which we knew. Yep. So I'm, just clar- his- I'm clarifying that, though, that we were right. Just yep. they worded that a lot. Or simply and eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> so he does the diehard thing and starts running through the air ducts. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this because he's a freaking teleporter. <laughs> I mean, would you really be walking through air ducts if you could teleport? Well, depends where does he know where he doesn't know where to teleport though. He doesn't need to see where he's teleporting to, like some teleporters, does he? He he can just teleport I'm wherever. I'm not exactly sure how Pip teleporting works. And also, we have to remember that Pip is... What's the word I'm looking for? Stupid. He's street smart. Yeah, which means he knows enough to escape quickly. And stuff, and he knows that he can follow the mental link, but he doesn't really know where he's going, so I think he's... He's more used True, to... Yeah. Like you said, street smart and, sneak, and sneaky. Yeah. So he's going to sneak around, find what he needs, and then just teleport out. Fair he's, enough. I mean, he's basically, I mean, yeah, he's stupid. He's street smart, but he's basically stupid. He's stupid, but he's street smart. You yeah. know, he's enough street smart. He's like a Rizzo from uh, Drugstore Cowboy, or Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, i I, I never seen that movie. <laughs> eh, the guy's not that bright. But, you know, he has some street smarts, but he's pretty stupid. Okay. Although I, although I know Pip does know Microsoft, or, you know, he does know how Microsoft Office at least. Oh, well, it's good that he knows Microsoft Office. And did you know that Microsoft Office 2016 just came out? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm a show for that. Secretary for a couple, like a year or two. I like the coloring on these pages again. I don't know what it is, but the colorist is doing a good job. Uh, Frank Diarmata. Oh, Mr. Diarmata, good job. I, I I like the blues and the reds and the oranges and how they go well together. It's nice on the eyes. Yeah, I like the color. Yeah, no, the color. I like the coloring on the computer bank page, where Pip popped into the Nega Zone. It, it feels very uh, old '70s, large, what they deemed supercomputers at the time. It, if yeah, if those supercomputers uh, projected a crossword puzzle. Because no, actually, because I can imagine it, that's actually what I was thinking of. Because like, I can imagine the lights like going on, blinking on and off, so like different squares are black, then green, then black, then green, yeah. and it has like that background computer noise, kind of like they always used to use in uh, Spider-Man's Amazing Friends when they would go to the computer and it would like give them some kind of information. Yep. That's the, that's the noise I can imagine in my head. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. So that's exactly what I was thinking of when I saw that. I like that, because I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. A very intelligent race of alien bug creatures that uses technology from the 70s. All right. It's style. It's not yeah. technology from the 70s. They just like that style. They're like, you know yeah. what? That looks cool. Doesn't matter. We're at a point now. It doesn't matter what we do. We can case in anything we want. Let's make yeah. it look like this. This is neat. It's called retro. Or comic books. Because. It's kind of like, you know, they have like those, uh, you know, MP3 players and stuff that are designed to look like old fashioned radio, you know, radios from the 40s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, those are neat. That's what this is. That's a, this is their version of that. Okay. Annihilus, listen, as long as you do what he wants and it, it, the, the function he wants, Annihilus is all cool with the, with the form. Uh, yeah. He cares about the function. Form is all up to you. Annihilus is like, you want to make this look like some kind of retro 70s Saturday morning cartoon computer? Cool. Does yeah. it do the evil thing I want it to do? Yeah, it does the evil thing. It's all cool. It's like my gay friend with clothes. Is He's like... It's fashion before function. We're in wintertime, and he's wearing, like, thin layers of clothes. Me, I'm I'm covered in, like, 14 layers, three jackets, and two ski masks. I'm like, no, no, it's about function, my friend. Yeah. but I, I can look like a dork or whatever, but I'm, I'm warm. Because, I mean, obviously, the computers are doing what he wants. Yeah. So I think it's more of a matter of once the functions are going on, and Alice don't give a damn about the form. He's like, dude. If that's where you're going, if that's your soul is saying you got to do this, go for it. Because, come on, I'm probably going to end up sacrificing you anyway. Yeah, Annihilus is... Conquest. A, what do I care? Look, I'm going to have you have your fun right now. Annihilus is a genocidal uh, overlord, but he'll let you have your fun. He, he'll uh, encourage your artistic side right before he crushes you. It's the little things you got to do for the people, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I got analysis in my head of like some kind of hipster in New York going to like some kind of a art gallery. Oh Especially little Annihilus, because you can see little Annihilus in skinny jeans. Little Annihilus in skinny jeans, Thanos in big, thick, black rim glasses and like a lumberjack beard. I can think of Thanos is like in like a black turtleneck. Yes. Drinking a PBR. <laughs> hipsters is that a hipster too yeah pbr is a hipster thing really yeah i like pbr oh you hipster all right so pip and the duck work and then we still got Thanos. this is still happening because we jump back and forth a bit so this is still happening while Thanos and the hulk are quote-unquote fighting does that make that a fair compromise we'll put quotes around the fight word fighting okay i i can live with that and th- this is the page. Are you on the same page that, that I am, where uh, Thanos is standing in between Hulk and Banner, and Hulk is getting like irradiated with some sort of red, orange? His hair is uh, doing the spiky electrocuted thing. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, a Hulk art in this series that I don't mind. That actually looks okay. like it would be what it would be. Okay, cool. So at least there's something in there. Yeah. And at this point, apparently, the scientists have realized that there is somebody in there with the Hulk. A trespasser. But they don't know who. Yet. Not yet. And I think they just believe it's, at one point, just a glitch. Maybe, like, the Hulk and Banner 
becoming one or something like that? Um, maybe before that. Okay. Because now from that point on, I'm just looking at now from that point on, they're definitely looking at. Oh okay, yeah, so no, you're right. Because a few pages before, while the Hulk and Thanos were still fighting, you know, one of the guys, one of the scientists, tells Doctor Boltar, who actually is on the cover, he's the guy who's on the Hulk, standing on the Hulk's foot on the bottom right hand corner. Boltar. He, he's the one that does not look like a bug, actually. He kind of looks like a little pasty yellow guy. Are, are you saying all Asians look alike? Oh, my George Lucas. <laughs> but anyway, one of the scientists tells him that they, they just had a major spike in his, the subject's cerebral activity. And he's like, run a diagnostic, examine everything. We don't want this waking up on us. So they're like, there's something going on there. We're not sure yet. And then where we were just now at the pages when they realized, okay, there is somebody in there. What do you think the Hulk would be like waking up on the wrong side of the bed? I don't think the Hulk has ever woken up on the right side of the bed. <laughs> okay, what do you think the Hulk would be like if he did wake up on the right side of the bed? He probably would, you know, nice little stretch, you know, crack a little behind his back. A little gamma awesome. yawn. Yeah. Actually, I would not be surprised. I'm trying to remember, but I'm sure they've probably done something like that in one of the issues of Peter David's run of the Hulk when he had the uh, the different personalities merged together. If you remember that time. No, I'm yawning. Sorry. <laughs> okay, but it was like from like 377 to like 425 was the Incredible Hulk run. Yeah, the Hulk was never really a title that I read uh, consistently. Well, when Peter David was writing, it was really amazingly good. But yeah, at that point, you had the two, you know, you had the Grey Hulk, you done the Grey Hulk for a while, and the Green Hulk had been around, and they had Doc Samson actually did some stuff with the Ringmaster and had them merge the three personalities, you know, the two Hulks and Banner. So, so did had, Peter David do uh, Mr. Fix-It then? Yes. Okay, cool. That was all him. That was all his, that was all his creation. Cool. But this, at that point, I was talking about, like, the Hulk was actually, he was the Hulk permanent. But he, oh, had, okay. but he had more Banner's mind, but he also had a bit of like the Grey Hulk's like deviousness and cunning. Okay. So he kind of like the best aspect of all three, put into one person. So we probably would have seen like that in, all, in there because he was the Hulk permanently. So, but he was more rational. So I would not be surprised if there was a scene where he woke up and like you, know, you saw the Hulk getting up and going and drinking coffee and stuff. <laughs> I always wanted Marvel to do like a a what-if series, or n- not necessarily a what-if series, or l- more of a what-the series, just like on the days off, about the lives of our heroes and villains on their days off, you know? Yeah, the off What does Wolverine do? Wolverine it's, has no off time. What are you talking about? He has to have some off time. I mean... He has yeah. no off time. Well, all the more reason to make... A what the series called Days Off. Days Off of Future's Past. It would be every issue. Everyone else would have time off and over and like, busy, gotta go. Yeah. Ah, crap. I'm, I'm on the Avengers today. Yeah. Uh, what's today? Today's Tuesday. I believe on, um, on Uncanny X-Men or am I teaching? Uh, eh, let me check my calendar. <laughs> Well, the band, uh, what's it called? Kirby Crackle, actually, there's a song called, um, I think it's On and On, it's called, I forget what it is, but it basically, it's Wolverine's Week, and like, every single day, it's, you know, Monday with the Avengers, Tuesday with the X-Men, Wednesday, I'm in the Savage Land, Thursday, I'm fighting ninjas in Japan. Seems about right. It's like, I, I, I don't get a day off. 
It's like, uh, Iceman gets days off. Why does Iceman get days off? Put Iceman on some more teams. He can do some shit. I'm busy every day, damn it. You know, I bet Iceman goes down to the local park on a warm summer day and just makes, makes slushies for, you know, the neighborhood children. Probably. Bring some flavors. Yeah. Squirt it on and make some snow slushies. I bet Squirrel Girl, you know, goes around, uh, like, libraries and performs little shows with squirrels for the children. That'd be cool, actually. And I bet I bet uh, Dr. Doom takes off his mask, goes down to the local Timmy Ho's or Dunkin' Donuts, and, you know, just has a cup of hot apple cider and a croissant. Actually, I can see Doom just taking off that mask and just poking at the holes in his face. Going, kind of like, you know, you, you got a toothache and you have to keep poking that with your tongue. Yeah. Because you have to verify it still hurts. Yeah, why do we do that? It's stupid. <laughs> it is stupid. But we do that. And that's doom. I'm saying they're poking, like, the hole in his face, like, you know, or the mini injuries on his face. Because, yeah. let's face it, whatever theory you go with of doom, whether his face was horribly scarred in that explosion, you know, back in co- You know what you want to talk about, back in college? Yeah. You know, the reason that he hates Reed Richards, he thinks Richards ruined the calculations and that caused the explosion, and really Reed Richards is like, dude, you're wrong. You, you, you did this to yourself. You know, Doom has gone to the ends of time to see how things end. Why can't he just travel back in time to see what actually happened? Because then he would know he was wrong. And Doom can't have that. Do you think that would break Doom's psyche? I think it's one of those things that Doom knows. He just doesn't want to admit, so he's being the definition of a jackass. He knows enough about Reed Richards that I think he does know that Reed Richards doesn't do that. Wouldn't just screw with someone's notes like that. What a jackass. But he's like Cartman. He has to do these mental jumping jacks because he cannot be wrong. So therefore, it must have been that. But he knows enough that he knows I'm not going to go back and check that because why would I? Because then I can prove to myself that I was wrong. No, 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 no. Doom is not wrong. Richard did this to me. But what if but he anyway. would go back, fix it, and then his mother would never go to hell? He'd be, you know, some sort of brilliant, fantastic-looking scientist. He would, he would still have to prove himself he's wrong. And it's Doom's ego that always gets in the way. I mean, that's the one thing that no matter what you can count on that will screw up with Doom. Kind of like with Thanos, they always have that whole thing about how Thanos feels like, you know, they reveal that like Thanos has this sense of uh, inadequacy, so no matter what, he always leaves away from himself to be defeated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be really, really hard for somebody to do, but it's there. Right. Doom's ego will always be Doom's downfall. So you don't always... That's why you can get heroes who are not as powerful or smart, let's say, to be able to defeat Doom sometimes. I mean, sometimes they just do it because, you know, they just have it's that guy's book and they want him to beat up Doom. You, you mean like Squirrel Girl? Yeah. I don't care that it's Christmas special. I bring that up every time I can. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's just because it's Doom's ego that gets yeah. in Because that is the most important thing to him. And that's exactly, you're right. Doom will go back in time, realize he made a mistake, fix his calculations for himself. Therefore, everything works out and Doom's happy and fine as mom's face. But, now, see, you know, that would, Doom's that would actually be your... Which one was going? <laughs> no. What do you think? He said that would be good. Yeah, that would be a really good what if story. Oh, it would be a good, that would and that would work for a what if because it's what if basically yeah. it's like what if Doom's ego could get out Doom get out of the way of his own ego. Yeah. 
how would that affect yeah. the Marvel Universe? I, I think that would have to be like a 96-page special issue. Actually, if anyone wants to hear that and they have not listened to all my all the old episodes, go back to listen to the episodes where we talk about Warlock 5, 6, and 7, or 4, 5, and 6, because Counter-Earth Doctor Doom is there. And Counter-Earth Doctor Doom is a cool, chill dude. He is a nice guy. He is decent. He did have that accident. He does wear the mask. But that's it. That's, you know, he is not a villain. He does, his ego is way out. His, his ego is nowhere in the way. A little self-promotion there. Why not? It worked out. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, but that's, yeah. But anyway, the point was that was whether you go with the theory that Doom's face was horribly scarred in that, or he just has one little scar on his face, but he's so, his ego is so great that anything, any, any you know, Anything that ruins his perfection of his perfection of his face as he thinks of it means his face is horribly ruined. Once he became Doctor Doom and he got that mask, the first thing he did when his mask was made and it was still melting, you know, oh, yeah, that was... he shoved it on his face. Oh yeah. So his face is ruined. You know. So there's plenty of things for Doom to poke at on his own face. Oh, I mean, yeah. he has no nose. It's just, you know, cartilage is just melted away. There's nothing there. On the plus side, no sinus issues. Yeah. Save some money on Kleenex. Exactly. Well, I, know, I think he needs something. At this time, I think it just kind of just comes out of there. But, you know, there's nothing covering it, nothing holding it in. He's like the third most po- powerful sorcerer in the Marvel Universe. I think he probably has a spell to contain that. Well, that's probably one of the reasons he still wears the mask. It keeps, it keeps the snot in. Yeah. Because you're not going to be all intimidated about Zoom if you're like, dude, you got poop yeah. leaking out of your nose. And not even out of your nose. Out of where the top of it. Hey, guys, I'm here to conquer the world. You just see a snot bubble drip down. Everyone just starts laughing. You got people sure. laughing. They, except for the people who get nauseated by that and start puking. Yeah. Why is everyone laughing or throwing? Guys! I'm super serial here. Really? But yeah, he has no nose. He's like, because they showed him in Sequel Wars about his mask. He has no nose. He kind of reminds me of uh, Voldemort in Harry Potter. Or actually, Voldemort, as they used him in um, Robot Chicken, where he gets the, he gets the plastic surgery done and gets the nose, he gets a big nose put on there. Because <sighs> that was the whole problem. I'm, I'm just thinking of Skeletor from uh, Masters of the Universe movie. The Dolph Lundgren one? Yeah. Frank Langella. That's who, yes. That's who plays Skeletor. Yeah. Yeah, a little like that, I would think, actually. I think, from what I remember, that's kind of, he looks a little like Skeletor. Actually, a little more like Skeletor, probably, than Voldemort. Alright, so back to the comic. Because <laughs> we talk about Doom, where we talk about anybody in this issue. Jesus, this is screwed up. This is normal. Can the subtitle of this be Podcast Volume X? <laughs> or Podrack? I think I could do that. Sweet. Wait, volume X? Is yes. It because you want to be X or because you don't remember what number? Or both? I don't know what volume we stopped on. I think we were on volume three, so this would be four. Just like put something ridiculous, volume 4.135. Do the pi sim. Pi. Uh, 3.142789126. Yeah. Just start making up numbers and words, volumes. I can do that. 
Sorry, we're almost at the end because since we kind of covered the fight already with Hulk and Thanos, we really don't have to worry about that now. Well, there, there, there's one thing that I do want to mention about the fight. Uh, okay. there, there's a panel in, I don't know what page is on, but it's a, the one right next to Hulk in electrified hair. There's okay. a panel in the next page at the very bottom with a banner looking like he's hulking out, screaming to the Hulk, telling him to come to him. Yeah, that that would frighten me if I saw that in real life, knowing how Banner is, and he's like, "Hulk, get to me." He he's telling the Hulk what to do at that point. Oh, he he's throwing some balls now. Yeah, I do like when they give Banner. Banner's more just the oh no, I'm gonna turn into the Hulk. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's fed up. He's about to show, or at least my opinion when I first read this is, oh, he's about to show Thanos what's up. And to be fair, they do. That's More or less, that yeah. Able to take on Thanos now. Yeah. Because this is when we get to that part where I said before about how Thanos made the comp- him the compliment that he would be able to adjust the VR thing to make the Hulk now more of his regular power and be able to actually take on Thanos. And of course, Hulk doesn't want to team up with Banner, but he's wise enough to know that he needs help. Which, for me, as someone who doesn't read a bunch of Hulk comics, that's that's more or less a first, you know, at least when it comes to Banner. I mean, I've seen it in, like, cartoons and whatnot, but in comics, not so much. In comics over the years, they've over the years more recently, they've come to more of an, it's more understanding. It's not so much like this way in the 70s where Hulk hated Banner and didn't realize they were the same person. Mm-hmm. At this point, they know they know they are, depending on which version of the Hulk they're doing, sometimes the Hulk tolerates him. But what I like is that, like, this splash page, I don't know if it's a splash page, because the way that I actually have it set up, I don't think it is, is that uh, Banner's on Hulk's back. And I, I think that's a good metaphor for their relationship. It's very symbiotic. You know, yeah. they they can't be without each other, and they both know that. If one's gone, the other's dead, because of who's, yeah. who's following them, who's always fighting them, and things of that nature. And I just like that. And I just think that's a very interesting way of showing that metaphor. Is that the one with the panel where you said in big letters it says now Hulk smash? Yeah. Yeah, that actually that's one page. It's like there's three you can technically say it's three panels, but there's no panel borders. It's just kinda of like one giant splash page of the Hulk in three different positions beating okay. uh, Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. And so now Analysis and his people have realized this is where we uh, get to where Analysis now wants to be put into the system because he wants to deal with the trespasser personally. So Mini-Me is going to go against two Goliaths, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I remember the mental version of him, so it's yep. not going to be Mini. It's going to be regular. In fact, it's even more regular because once we get to that part, in a page or two, once he goes in there, it's just giant head of Annihilus. Now, it's how smart is Annihilus, though? Annihilus is decently smart, but, I mean, he's also... It's not like he has... Like, Thanos does all this stuff on his own. So Thanos has to be smart to do these things. And now it's just people. All right, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I guess based on that, I would put him at more of... I mean, he's pretty damn powerful. Yeah, but but I would imagine it would take an incredible intelligence level to enter into the VR world and lay a smackdown on those two that are going at it because Thanos definitely in the top... I'm going to say 15 intelligence because there's definitely a lot of smart people in the Marvel universe. Banner is probably like the third smartest in that universe. 
it's going to take a lot to manipulate that world to hurt you. Yeah, he doesn't really need to know how to manipulate a memory. He has his people doing it for him. But so he's like, enter. No, no, he's entering that world. The people can't manipulate it for him with him like that. Now, if he didn't enter the world, I would say okay, they made some sort of VR construct, put him in there, and he's controlling them that way. But Annihilus is actually hooked up and in there himself, so it's his conscious, his intelligence, and all that. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, and he ha- he is pretty powerful. I mean, he is pretty mentally powerful and stuff. I mean, now is his powers mental based or are they energy based or some sort of? It's energy, just... but I'm not sure how much it affects mental because I don't really, I've not really read that much of Annihilus. I mean, even though, not, even though I read Annihilation, that was more of a physical conflict. Okay, but I mean. It's that power, it's that energy control rod thing that's on his neck. That, that's where most of his power comes from. So I wouldn't be surprised if that also gave him some mental stuff. Or at least mental, not mental powers like, you know, telepathy and stuff, but at least mental control over himself. Okay. So maybe it's like harder to read his mind and do things like that, which is basically what you need for this kind of thing. Yeah. Actually, now that you bring up the uh, mental rod, or the uh, control rod... Does he have that anymore, or was that, like, fashioned into the necklace that he wears? I or, I thought he still had it. I mean, it's there, but whether that's the original or not, I don't know. Yeah, because I just don't remember seeing it in these two issues. That's... Well, it's in this issue. Like, I don't remember it's in the first one. I don't have that in front of me. Oh, okay. I compl- that's a complete oversight by me, then. But he does have it in this one. In fact, they even have a small... They even have, a ver- they even have something that looks like it on the uh, robot one on page one. The robot annihilator. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back there now. <laughs> so I'm assuming it's a, it was in the last issue, but I'm just okay. But so yeah, so he kicks Thanos out, and like I said, I don't know if he's much fought since he didn't have to fight him. I think it was just his people figuring out a way to shut off Thanos' connection. So Annihilus really didn't have to do anything here. He just came here and started making speechifying, and his people just kind of went, "Okay, we were able to disconnect," you know. The outside influence from the from the system. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they probably just trace the IP, <laughs> the, exactly. the interstellar IP across millions of galaxies, and they shut it down. Yeah. So, like I said, he is people, so he didn't really have to do anything here. He's just yelling. Yeah. And, he's and that's just when we a get giant floating head. Yeah, and that's when we get Thanos out of his little system, and that's when you know the thing where I said he said that he knew Pip was there. But this was, you know, besides being amused by the fact that, you know, amused by Pip. Because Pip is amusing. And I think, he, you know, even Thanos is amused a bit by him. I think Thanos was just like, you know, just watches Pip sometimes and probably like, how do you walk out the door without killing yourself? I don't get it. Do you think Thanos sees Pip as a pet? Kind of, yeah. He's a, you know, it's a pet amusement factor. You know, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he had cameras following him, and he like that was his entertainment. He would watch Pip get into stupid situations and get into <laughs> trouble, and just like it's, it's like Thanos' comedy night. You know, it's his must see TV. Thanos and Mojo have teamed up to uh, present the galaxy with Pip the teleporter. It's the Pip reality show. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's like the it's Jim Carrey like, movie. There, uh, the Truman Show. Thank you. Yes. He doesn't know Pip in it. Pip doesn't know he's in a show, except really they don't have to fake anything because Pip is dumb enough to get involved in stuff. Yeah. But apparently the real re- we find so we find out the real reason Thanos did this was actually his computer was actually going into and downloading pretty much 
everything that Thanos has on the negative zone, what is it, offensive and defensive cap- capabilities. So he actually let them discover that he was going to their VR system and made that notable enough so that way they didn't even notice that he was doing other stuff. And Which does sound that a bit, he's got plans like on plans. Well, that's a bit more like Thanos, you know? He's like, I have this obvious plan because, really, I don't care if I lose because it's a subtle plan. Right. Because, hell, even back... I just finished reading... I mean, we haven't got this in the podcast yet, but I just finished reading, like, Avengers 125 because we're doing the uh, the Thanos War when he first goes to the Cosmic Cube back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole thing about how the Avengers, you know, he has a fleet of aliens ready to attack Earth, and the Avengers go up and beat them, basically. And it's kind of brought up a little bit. It's like, this guy is a cosmic cube. He's like, why does he need an armada when he is basically turning into a god? Right. And it's like, no, this is part of my plan, actually, to have you off-world, to get you off-world, so that way, you know, I can do other things while you're out of the way. He's like, you know, even that issue, he's even like, yeah, he didn't think, I planned, and like, I didn't think they were ever going to beat you. Like, I didn't think these guys were going to beat the Avengers. I knew they weren't going to beat the Avengers. You know, if it happened, did they beat some, kill some Avengers? Awesome. And that's the same thing here. I think if, like, look, if I happen to kill the Hulk or, you know, ruin something in Alice's plan, cool. You know, I'm fine with that. But that wasn't my main goal. He even says, as for Banner and the Hulk, I never had any actual interest in them. I think that's a lie. Mostly because I just wanted to hear myself talk right now. <laughs> But really, what, what, what do you think is going to happen now? I mean, are we actually going to get a real legitimate beat-down slugfest between the two? Or is it going to be more of what we've seen just so he can find out more information and destroy Annihilus? I don't know. I know I know the Annihilus here in the last page is basically saying that thanks to the Hulk, you're going to make me powerful. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to like a Hulk out on, I think we're going to get like Hulk out Annihilus. That that was my thought too, and I have to say I actually do like the last uh, panel there. That that's nice. It I'm has cool again. Yeah, it, it has, but but not only that, it has a very um, evil uh, hammer type of film to it. You know, where the villain's always like, "I got you where I want you now," and this is going to transpire no matter what type of feel. Yeah. And you got Pip overhead peeking out through the air duct. Yeah. Pitcher's like, what's going on, guys? And next issue, Trans-Hulkification. Dun, dun, dun. Which I don't think is a real word. Oh, please. Have you heard some of the words in the American language? That's right. I said American language, people, because we have our own freaking language. It's no longer English, and it hasn't been English for so many years now. People always look at me funny when I say... No, I speak American, not English. <laughs> and it's true. Because um, American is an amalgamation of multiple languages, which includes slang from different cultures. And all that over the years have just been incorporated into our vernacular. And we have our own dialect. Even though it is very similar and close to English, it's just not English anymore. Because we have... Uh, Spanish words we use in our everyday language that we may, that a lot of us don't even realize. Same for uh, German, French, and all those other words, you know. But oh, that's true. But that's why I call it the American language and not the English language. At the very least, I believe it's technically called American English. Okay, yeah, I can, I can go with that. But 
shirt and firm, you know, you're basically just using a shirt and firm. I speak American. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there, because definitely, I mean, at the very least, it did evolve over 200 years with the separation between, you know, separation of an ocean between them before it was even, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, there was communication back and forth at times, but not like nowadays. So you had still 200 years of being separate. I mean, why do you think Australian people, you know, from Australia aren't exactly the same as speak people in Britain? They, they sound, you know, they're different too, not just their accent and dialect, but words they use and stuff, because they would have the influences from over, from by them. You know, from the Aborigines there and from Asian countries nearby them, I'm sure there's different words that they use normally that we would be, you know, us or people from Britain would look at them going, what? Yeah, absolutely. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey. And I am Jeffrey Taylor. And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic. Like what? Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just not feeling this. I'm just wondering how there's a needle scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital. Look, all we need to say is that this is the, a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the home, Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And every week we give in-depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number 1 in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world when these comics were published and what else was going on in the DC Universe. The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com. From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. So join Jeffrey and I each week as we explore Superman during the post-crisis era, which includes Exile, Panic in the Sky, Doomsday, The Marriage, and Beyond. And write into the show at FromCrisisToCrisis at gmail.com and hear it read on the air, eventually, because we get behind on that sort of thing. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from From Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20-year-old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Wow, that was like a very literate and intelligent way that we ended the discussion of this issue. Yeah, it does not happen very often with me, but... <laughs> but it does sometimes. It popped yeah. out. Yeah. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go into now where we can find people can find this issue if they want to read it. Besides buying the original, because it really probably won't be that hard to find because it only came out last year. But in case you don't want to do that, you can also get the Thanos vs. Hulk trade paperback because all four issues have been reprinted together. 
or you can buy it digitally on comicsology.com or Marvel's web. You can buy it directly from the Marvel site or app or on the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. It is also available on there. Or just buy the original issue. I'm sure you can find it for like a dollar somewhere. Go to Con. I'm sure it's there for the dollar bin. You can probably buy all four issues for the price of one. Comics still like four bucks a pop. Yep. Oh, that's, that's painful. That is just painful. That's why pretty much everything I buy Marvel, everything from Marvel now for my reading is on the Marvel Digital Comics thing. Ten bucks a month. As long as I bought, as long as I read at least four books, cheaper, you know, right there I'm saving. Damn, I could do that on my break at work. Because even if that's, even if they're three dollar books only, that's twelve dollars. Yeah. And I pay ten. And really, when, when you read one, do you just stop at one? Only if I'm out of time. Yeah. But otherwise, no, I usually read two or three at a time. But yeah, as long as you, in it, hell, if you read ten books in a month, that's a dollar book, basically. Yeah. It's worth it, I think. With how much they're making books now, it's worth it. Yeah, even, even I, who don't, don't, who, who isn't a fan of, uh, digital comic books because I just really like to have the textile feel and the smell and all that. And, the collector in me is really beginning to come around to digital comics. Yeah, I mean, I like, I still like having real comics, and like, there, there are some books that I have that you know I'm selling a lot of stuff. I'm not going to get rid of. I still want to have them. Mm-hmm. I like having the physical forms of them. And if I'll say my preference always is, I mean, I will, I will use the digital because I have plenty of times for the podcast. But if I have the physical book, I will much rather use. I I rather use the physical book. Oh yeah. Because especially if we're talking about a '70s issue, then I like that, you know, because I can play with the ads and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. the ads from the '70s. The ads are awesome. So yeah. pop with the original letter letter page. Send in but, twenty-five cents to get a catalog where you can learn karate death moves. Exactly, but you know, some of these things. It's like you know what? I don't have the room, and there's too many books. It's like, am I going to really reread these? Yeah. It's like, do I really need to spend four bucks for an issue that I'm going to read once and put away? Yeah, I'm also at the point. I'd rather wait till a digital sale and spend two bucks for it. Yeah, I'm at the point where I want to get rid of all my comics for the exceptions of uh, the Moon Knight because I I want all the Moon Knight comics and Doctor Strange. I just want to have those collections. Yeah, there's a couple runs of things I'm going to keep. Like, obviously, anything that has Warlock, I think that has Warlock or Thanos, and I'm going to keep on the show, because I'd rather use the original comics. Mm. And I'm probably not going to get rid of any of my Legion superheroes books. I have a nice run of, like, not chunks, but like chunks of run of, like, Superman, especially from, like, the, uh, when they started doing that triangle thing in the 90s, till like, shortly after he died. The triangle thing. Oh, but, oh, what, but yeah. But like, numbering, like, this is issue one, two, three, because now, you know, once every three, you know, three times a month. Yeah, it was for the uh, funeral for... It started with funeral for a friend, didn't it? It actually started about a year or so before that. Really? Before they brought Doomsday in. Okay. Because I was reading all those. That's when I was reading Because they had a story like... They had one called Panic in the Sky and Time and Time Again. And a couple of other like, stories. But they, they all were part of that triangle thing. They, I think they started out in like 91. Oh, okay. And they didn't kill them until like 93. That's when I started reading Superman. I, those were really... I thought that was a really good error from that, that time period until like just after he came back and he finished the whole Death and Return story. Mm-hmm. It was all awesome. So like those I'm going to keep. 
But a lot of the other stuff I'm going to get rid of. Yeah. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Right, so shall we get to the friends and enemies section? If we must. Yeah. Okay. So this book had a cover date of March 2015. So these are the Marvel books that had the publication date of March 2015 on it that either Adam or Thanos had appeared in before and that we've covered on the show already. Okay, so we have five books. We have Captain Marvel number 11, Fantastic Four 642, Hulk number 10, The Pure Iron Man 4, and Thor number 4. So our first one is Captain Marvel from the 2014 series, number 11, which is called A Christmas Carol, Part 2 of 2, by Kelly Sudaconic and David Lopez. Christmas comes to the Carol Corps. You could even say this will be a Christmas Carol. That's a hint, guys. Or those freaking... So it is a... Okay, go on. It's a Christmas story, and uh, Santa Claus appears in it. Is Santa Claus a mutant? No. Okay, good. But there's a mutant in the book. If that counts. No, I just didn't want Santa Claus to be a mutant. No, Lila Cheney's in it, though. Lila Cheney. Don't, don't, Lila Cheney. Why does that sound familiar? Is that, that's not, um... We actually talked about her the last time we, when we did episode one. She's the one from the, the next minute that can teleport across the galaxy. Yeah, I don't remember that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. She is. Okay. It was a Christmas. It was a Christmas issue. Who the hell is the uh, Red Rose or the Rose or whatever? I thought that was, that was someone Cheney. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like another villain with the last name of Cheney? Chameleon? I, is it the Chameleon? No, he's like a Russian name. Oh. The only, and the, from the Rose, the only one I can think of is, uh, Richard Fisk, the Kingsman's son. Yeah, that's, okay, yeah, that's who it is. That's who it is. I don't know why, okay, whatever. I know I'm thinking of Lon Chaney. Okay, I know Chameleon is based on Lon Chaney, that's where he got, Maybe like, that's why you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. The Man of a Thousand Faces. And my favorite version of the Phantom of the Opera. Yes, your turn's next. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four from 2014, issue 642, Back in Blue, Part 2, by James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. The countdown begins. The invaders meet the Fantastic Four as the hunt for Reed Richards and the missing kids of the Future Foundation continues. Meanwhile, the mastermind behind everything unveils his ultimate plan. But how does Franklin Richards factor in? Guest starring Jim Hammond, Namor, the new Captain America, and Doc Green? Yep. Okay, who... Let's see, this is 2014, so the new Cap is uh, Sam Wilson in this then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Doc Green is that new Hulk with the oh. mohawk? Yeah. Yeah, the one we talked... The one we're actually going to talk about next in Hulk number 10. Because the Hulk at this point has... The Hulk actually been hiding out. His base was the Beehive. You remember that place? Beehive, the Beehive, the Beehive. The only Beehive I can think of right now is from Teen Titans, 
with the Brotherhood? Oh uh, no, this is from the uh, the Enc scientist group, the Enclave. I created this place called the Beehive. I, I think they had more than one though, where they like would hide out and do their evil, crazy science. Okay. And in fact, the main Beehive we know of comes from Fantastic Four sixty six and sixty seven, because that's where Adam Warlock was created. Oh, oh nice tie in there. And the Hulk friend. apparently, I know. And the Hulk apparently in this series was using that as his base until it was recently it was destroyed actually in. Hulk number 10, which we're going to talk about next. And he ends up going, using, teleporting to the Baxter building because it's abandoned right now because of all the issues going on with the FF. It's abandoned, so he's using that as his base temporary, temporarily. So yeah, so I might as well go to the Hulk since I mentioned that. So Hulk number 10 from the 2014 series, The Omega Hulk, Chapter 6, by Jerry Dugan and Mark Bagley. Omega Hulk plus Red Hulk equals MASH Mass Mass Destruction. Matthew Murdoch versus Doc Green in an oral argument. Red Hulk <laughs> versus Doc Green in the opposite of the first disagreement. So basically a physical fight. Something bad happens at the Beehive. Hint, the above. So yeah, Matt Murdoch and uh, Doc Green have an argument. Very calm argument, but an argument. Plus the Hulk recommends dumplings to him. Oh, you said oral. <laughs> Yeah. There's actually a nice part where he says, what are you going to do, Murdoch? You're going to put on your little red pajamas and poke me with your stick? He goes, no, Hulk. If you don't leave, I'm going to hit you with a restraining order. And Hulk leaps away laughing. Hit him with a stick. That's naughty. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, he fights the Red Hulk in that issue. Because remember when I said the last time, he was trying to cure all the other Hulk. So he fights the Red Hulk in this issue. And he doesn't cure him, but the fight ends up destroying his base, the Beehive, which is why he ends up, at the end of the issue, hiding out at the Baxter building. Which kind of works in with the Fantastic Four issue, where he show, he's at the Baxter building. Right, I guess there's nothing in these issues that made, these descriptions that gave you, made you want to go, what's going on here? No, not really. No questions this time. Because last time you had some questions, this time you don't. Yeah, no. Okay, and now we're up to Superior Iron Man, so take it away. Superior Iron Man, from 2015, issue number four. Chapter 4 of The Choice by Tom Taylor and some name that I cannot pronounce. Yildirethenar. That's a dude. I I thought that would be a chick with the name, honestly. Nope. Okay. So this is uh, Daredevil on the Rocks. Daredevil discovers the secret to Tony's success. How far will Tony go to stop Matt Murdock from revealing his shocking secret to the world? As Tony's actions become even more questionable, who will conspire to take him down, leading up to the battle you thought you'd never see? Yeah, again, I still don't have any questions on this one. <laughs> yeah, this is the one that we talked about earlier when you said about the uh, guy with the, the AIDS cure. Okay, so then this Tony... Is Tony Stark. This is the evil version of Tony after the Axis thing, that Axis crossover, where he's kind of a douchey now. He's and why they're calling it Superior Army. Well, yeah, but he's really douchey now. Okay. So what he's doing, he goes to San Francisco, and he's now modified the Extremis, mm-hmm. and he releases it as a free app for everybody. So you download this Extremis app, and basically, it makes you perfect. You know, you are like, you look like the perfect version of yourself, so you are like the most physical, like you are beautiful and gorgeous and everything. And then people find out, though, it's only for 24 hours. Aww. After that, you got to buy it at like ninety nine ninety nine. 
Oh, poor babies. So people go from being perfectly physically fit, and not just that, but also like pretty much deals with anything. Like if you had diabetes, you don't have diabetes, or you know, if you were overweight, you're no longer overweight. Any, you know, anything else maybe maybe somewhat wrong with you physically is fixed. See, I don't have an issue with that's that because that that's, that plays on a man's vanity, not like an actual survival well, issue. No. Well, it's no, it's not an actual survival issue, but I didn't say it was exactly like that. But I oh, no, I know, yeah. Concept. Yeah, it's in my concept. But, I mean, he's doing that because now all of a sudden you have people, they show people like committing crimes just because they need the money so they can have this. Like The crime and gold rates going up because people are trying to make their money. And people are desperate. They're doing anything for it, you know. And Daredevil obviously is not happy about it because they're both in San Francisco at this point. Here's an idea: work your normal job because if you have a smartphone, chances are you have a job. Just save a couple of bucks out of every paycheck. Yeah, but people don't want to not have that right away. People want to be having oh, a hundred bucks a day, hundred bucks a day. And who wants to live in? Oh, it's hundred. Like they feel. They, oh, it's hundred bucks a day. I thought I, I didn't get that from your description. I, I thought it was just a hundred. bucks for the app. I, I, yeah, I think it was a hundred bucks a day. Oh yeah, that's pretty douchey. <laughs> yes. So and actually, what he does at the end is he gives it to Daredevil. At the end, Daredevil wakes up because Tony because he goes to confront him. Of course, Tony just zaps him because you know he's Iron Man. And Daredevil wakes up and he says, "Yeah, I gave it to you for free. You can see now." You're welcome. I I like Superior Iron Man. Superior Iron Man was a good series. If you feel so inspired, there are a few ways you can contact us. You can send an email at resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com or just leave an iTunes review. Either one will be greatly appreciated and will be read on the air at some point. Also, be sure to check out the show's Tumblr page where I post images from the issues we review at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Ever since I started doing the show, I've been noticing more more random people uh, following me on Twitter. And I have no idea if it has anything to do with the show or if it's just random people going, yeah, why not? Maybe if I follow this person, they'll follow me back. I don't know, but I'd like to. So I am going to, on my Twitter page, put up the hashtag Resurrections Adam Warlock. So if you are following the show, you know, you follow the show, please put that on yours too so we can uh, find each other and I know whether or not you're following me because of that or if though you're not following me then obviously because you're some random person. Follow me on Twitter. And now it's a bit creepy. I'm going to go turn on the lights now. Alright. Let me get to the last one so you get to sleep soon. Thor from the 2014 series, number four. Thor vs. Thor by Jason Aaron and Russell... Douterman. The Odin son is back, and he clearly doesn't like that somebody else is holding his hammer. You know what that means, right? Thor versus Thor. Oh, oh yeah. okay. So Thor, Thor doesn't like anyone touching his hammer, but it's Thor versus Thor. So is Thor touching his own hammer, and is his hammer his penis? So Buck will be back next month when we do Battles vs. Hulk number three. Everyone say goodnight, Buck, because I think Buck already fell asleep. It, 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 it's, it's very uh, close to happening. All right, so we're going to let Buck go, everybody. So go to buckonstuff.com to see the Buck online. 
where I we'll be back next occasionally month. post reviews. <laughs> it does happen, though. And you'll be able to find podcasts from other creators on there shortly, hopefully. Excellent, excellent. And like I said, we'll be back next month with Thanos vs. Hulk number three. See ya, everybody. Go to sleep. Okay. Later, dude. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. realize something. Hmm. I forgot to hit the synopsis for these. For a minute there, I thought you were going to say you forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> nope, still says recording. Okay. Hold on a minute, I forgot the synopsis. No problem. This is, but I want to watch it just based on the name Secret Agent X 9. Is Secret Agent. Was that? That is based on a comic strip, I believe. Let's see. A Secret Agent goes after. Well, this one was made in 37, and the plot is a secret agent goes after the gang that stole the crown jewels of of a European monarch. Secret Agent XX9. Yep. Oh, wow, I didn't know this. It's a comic strip begun by writer Dashiell Hammett, like the guy who wrote The Thin Man and The Maltese Falcon. Really? Yeah. And Alex Raymond, artist, who did Flash Gordon. It ran from January 1934 until February 1996. Oh, that's pretty cool. Here, has led me now So here, this is my life Monday comes, fly to the savage land Tuesday rooftop battles with the gang I had on
Let's see here. Billy the Kid. All right, so let's see. The Wolfman. The Mummy's Tomb. Yeah, he played the Mummy. Okay. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. He played the Wolfman. Son of Dracula. He played Dracula. Uh, Cobra Woman. What the hell is that? The Mummy's Ghost. He plays the Mummy. But he did play the Mummy. So he did. I was like, I was like, we both right. He did play the Mummy, but just not initially. Yeah. House of Dracula. Damn, dude's been in a lot of stuff. Okay, so let's get back on track for like the 18th time. <laughs> yeah, but this is changes I like. I mean, obviously, as you can tell, I, I know I, I like a bit of those Universal Monsters because I was yeah. right about the Mummy's Year, right? It was 1932. Uh, I was just looking at his profile. Now I had to go back and look for the Mummy. <laughs> Never mind. See, no, no, no. I need. Is I'm, I'm already scrolling, so... <laughs> Deal with it. I'm scrolling, damn it. Yeah. The scrolling's happening. You can't stop it now. I no, can't you stop can't. scrolling. No, the scrolling's real. You can't stop the scrolling. Uh, mummy, 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 where were you? Let's see, the Wolfman was in 41. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankenstein, the Ghost of Frankenstein in 42. Let's see, The Mummy's Tomb, 1942, I think that's... Oh, wait, no, The Mummy won't be on his list. The Mummy won't be on his list, though. Yeah, no, but you, you wanted to know when he first played The Mummy, though. Oh, no, I said The mu- I said the Mummy was 1932. Oh, oh, I thought you wanted... Okay. Boris Karloff one. Frankenstein, I believe, was the year before in 31. Oh. We'll find out. It's still, you know, this is one of my favorite Christmas movies. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the cartoon. It still astonishes me, and I've known this for so long, that Boris Karloff was the uh, um, narrator. Yeah. I, I just can't get over that. I don't know why. No, we have that. We own we own a bunch of those classic Christmas ones. I mean, we don't watch them regularly through the year. We, it just makes it so we can watch it when we want to for Christmas. Right. But you know, we do have that. We do watch those. We do watch that one. I don't bother with the movie. I watch that one. We watch that, and you know, the Charlie Brown one, Rudolph, the Opus and Bill. Yeah, she actually had bought the Opus and Bill Bloom County Christmas special. I don't think I've seen that one. And yes, uh, the Mummy, nineteen thirty-two. Woohoo! Yes, yeah, so at least you're doing changes I like because I am a big fan of those Universal movies. Let's see, he was five eleven. Holy shit, he was married one, two, three, four, five different women. Who? Boris Karloff. Karloff? Or? Okay. And he only had one kid. <laughs> hmm. He wrapped that sucker up in. Probably. Oh, he was the neighbor of Christopher Lee for many years, it says here. Oh, that's kind of cool. Two, yeah, Christopher Lee did all, a lot of that, too. So the, the Hammer in the 50s. In the 50s. Oh, yeah, the Hammer films. And let's see. Uh, Peter Cushing would take turns. Okay, I'm the monster, you're the good guy, and yeah. next time I'll be the, you'll be the monster, and I'll be the good guy. I love that. That's awesome. Dude, every person that I keep looking up has more credits than the previous. Christopher Lee, 278. Yeah, well, that makes sense, though. Christopher Lee just died. Yeah, 
But still, that is insane. That means he was still going up until the ripe old age of death at 93. He was in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, and I think the Hobbit movies. I think he's in some of the at least one or two of the Hobbit ones that just came out. Uh, Hobbit: The Battle of the Five Armies. And he, oh, and, and he has a movie that's coming out: Angels in Nodden Hill. So that has to be his last film. Well, I think we can understand you with the statement: Christopher Lee is awesome, or was awesome. If a ninety-some-year-old man can play rock Christmas or metal Christmas music. Yeah, he gets the awesome title. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay, so, so back. <laughs> Battles fought, they never stop. When Creed appears, it never goes sweetly. Sinister glares through his test files. Speaks, I always go crazy. There's no reason. 